maybe you could call it the Gordon Bombay Cup. Or do you just let whoever wins it name the cup? You always have to take it one step too far. Yeah, I know. That's my job in life. (laughs) Okay, so all three people on this podcast are in three different places. Welcome to 32 Thoughts, presented, as always, by the GMC Sierra HD. Jeff Merrick in Stouffville, Dom Shramati in Vancouver, Elliot Friedman in Checks Notes. That's the checking notes sound. Seattle. What, pray tell, are you doing in Seattle, Elliot? NHL Board of Governors meeting here Monday and Tuesday. The Executive Committee meets Monday and then the full group on Monday afternoon and Tuesday. They have a meeting every December. So uh, I'm here. Long travel day. No direct from Toronto to Seattle first thing in the morning. So, um, you know, I'm like the princess in the pea. If there's a pea... 20 mattresses below the one I'm sleeping on. It's very uncomfortable. So it was, uh, it was, it was a long travel day. I have to say, but I'm always happy to be in Seattle. Yes. And you know what I've found? People love hearing, um, people in media (laughs) whining about about travel. travel. They love it. Do it some more. Be great. Really to juice the numbers. Start whining about your, your chair didn't recline. You didn't like the selection of movies. How about we go there with this one uh, at the same time? Now, okay. Uh, I will also say, by the way, that there is yeah. a member of the media, I'm not going to say who, who is okay. one of those loud airport phone talkers. Ooh, okay. Don't okay. Don't say who it is, but okay. just say what is his or her name rhymes with. <laughs> <laughs> not going to bite? You know, I, I remember years ago when I was still doing uh, the CFL, uh, I stayed, when we did games in Saskatchewan, travel out of Regina could be diced. There were certain ways you had to go. So there were times if we were doing a later afternoon or evening game, um, you, you couldn't get out quickly. You had to you know stay an extra night, which is always fine. I'm happy to do that. So one night I went out, I was the only member of the crew who stayed. And I went out for a beer and a Rough Rider fan came up to me and we just started chatting. And everything... I said to him, ended up all over the internet. Now, this is probably about (laughs) 16 or 17 years ago. It would be close to 20 years ago. But I've always been in fear of that ever since. That if I talk too loudly on the phone in a public place, it could end up all over social media. I remember years ago, Jeff, there was a big controversy over the Blue Jays manager, Jim Fragosi, was in the hotel bar and he was ripping his players and there was a reporter there. And, you know, his argument was everybody could hear you talking. Everybody could hear you talking. So I've always been paranoid of that ever since. Like I've had people on the other end of the phone saying, can you stop whispering and actually tell me what you're trying to tell me? And I'll say I'm in an (laughs) airport. I'm super paranoid about this. I always know when you're around people when I call you. I, I can always tell when there's a lot of people around because it is, for you, barely above a whisper. <laughs> and I get the feeling like you're talking out the side of your mouth. Okay, if you're not going to tell us who it is, we're not going to play the guessing game here. Just tell us what he or she was talking about. No, I'm not doing that because I'd hate if it was done <laughs> it to me. You had me for half a second there. I almost did it. 
And I was oh, like, wait I'll a sec, wasn't I just complaining about the same thing? <laughs> All right. Um, you're in Seattle, Board of Governors. Uh, no waffling here. Is this going to be underwhelming or overwhelming? From the topics I've heard that they're going to be discussing, I think it's going to be underwhelming. Uh, you know, the thing is, there, there's there's certain things to talk about that probably wouldn't be on the agenda. Things like, you know, Corey Perry, things like, you know, the Marc-Andre Fleury mask, the pride tape, uh, things like that. I don't necessarily think those would be on the agenda for the governors to vote on or anything, but I think those are the kinds of things that we're going to be asking about. You know, one of the things that with Perry, I think a lot of people are looking at it like as long as this doesn't end up being anything that ends up in a court of law, we're willing to respect his privacy. But I think a lot of people are wondering about just terminating his contract. And, you know, someone said to me the other day after actually it was it was Sunday morning, they said to me is shouldn't he have been in the program instead of having his contract terminated? So I think those are the kinds of things that we're going to be asking about, uh, Jeff. And obviously, uh, with Marc-Andre Fleury and Travis Dermott, it's again the whole situation the league is going through where, as I've talked about on this podcast, I think there are certain things they're afraid of um, as we are in a world at war, but how can you balance that out with the things that nobody should have a problem with? And And I'm wondering if they have a solution to that. How much talk do you think there'll be about the future of the Arizona Coyotes? I know this is an ongoing saga, but every time there's a large gathering, the question comes up. I think there will be people who ask about it. I mean, the team looks really good. Oh, what was it you there. were telling me? We're, we're, okay, we're going to get, get there. there? Okay, we're going to so get there. No, we're talking about Coyotes later for sure. We're going to get there. On, on the ice, they look really good. But I, I know this is something that always gets brought up. You know, the one thing about Batman is he tends to be very quiet about it in the group setting. But... You know, they have been talking about New Year, All-Star Game. You know, all of a sudden, Jeff, we're under a month from the New Year and we're two months away from the All-Star Game. So, you know, we're all going to be asking. There's there's no question about it. Okay, so we'll look forward to your reports over the next couple of days here. Uh, in the meantime, a couple of things rewinding to Saturday uh, and the headlines segment, starting with the Toronto Maple Leafs trying to secure not one but two Calgary Flames defensemen, Chris Tanev and Nikita Zadorov, who, as we all know, eventually made his way to Vancouver. Uh, a little bit more on this one. How did it fall apart? Why did it fall apart? Well, I think this. Toronto definitely tried to get both players. Uh, there, there's no question in my mind. And and Calgary was definitely in a situation, as we talked a little bit about on Friday morning in the pod there, where they had kind of notified teams they wanted to get at least Zadorov done that they were, you know, they were really interested in, in they were motivated to do it. Uh, their players had indicated, I think they wanted that particular chapter closed and, and Calgary wanted to move on. And Vancouver was a motivated buyer. They cleared the cap room. And also, you know, the thing that really appealed to Calgary was that Vancouver didn't need to retain any money. So I think the Flames let it be known, hey, it's coming down. So if you really want to be involved in the Zadorov sweepstakes, you'd better let us know. And what happened was Toronto tried to get both players. And here's what it came down to. Toronto needed Calgary to retain. Unlike Vancouver, they needed Calgary to retain. 
And if you look at Nikita Zadorov's salary, he's making $3.75 million this year. He's basically played a quarter of the season. So let's just say it's 50% because Toronto's in a cap crunch. So for the sake of easy math, we're going to say Toronto needed them to keep 50%. So $3.75 million, Zadorov cash, and we're doing this roughly to make it easy, and also because I was told when I went into sports there would be no math. $3.75 million, 75% of that is... 2.812 million and 50% of that is one little over 1.4 million. So let's just say Toronto was asking Calgary to keep 1.4 million of Zadorov. Chris Tanev is another guy that Toronto likes and was after. And Chris Tanev this year is being paid four and a half million dollars. There's no signing bonuses. So let's do the same math, $4.5 million, 75% of it, and then 50% of that, you're looking at almost $1.7 million. So let's just say Toronto was asking for Calgary to keep 50% of two players. That's over $3 million. That's almost $3.2 million. So, Jeff, in addition to what you were going to be paying for the two rentals, you were going to have to pay Calgary whatever the argument was that they should have to pay for Calgary to keep $3.1 million. And that's why I heard the negotiation fell apart. Like, I don't even think they got really, well, I think Toronto made offers. I think they had some things on the table. I think Calgary had kind of told them what it would take. But I just heard that what Calgary valued the money at, the retention money at, and you know, $3.2 million is nothing to sneeze at. I know it's pocket change for you in your Stouffville Manor, but it's real money for the rest of us. I, I just don't think they ever got anywhere, or, or got far enough, I should say. I think they tried to get somewhere. They just didn't get far enough. So I think Toronto really tried. They couldn't do it. The retention or the non-retention from Vancouver was really important to Calgary, and so they Vancouver took the deal. Now... Tanev. I do think Toronto will continue to try Tanev. I think the other factor here that was a thing is that, you know, Calgary, as far as I can tell, didn't give anybody permission to talk to uh, Zadorov. But I think Calgary suspects that if Toronto traded for either player, if not both, they would be able to resign them. And, you know, I think, I don't, do, do I think that scuttled the trade? No. But I think in the back of their minds, that the Flames might have been wondering, okay, if we trade a rental or two rentals there and the player re-signs, because we think Toronto will have the ability and the desire to do it and the player will want to go there, I just think they felt that that could make the deal look even worse in the long run. I don't think it was a primary concern, but I think it was a thing. Anyway, Tanev, you know, Jeff, I'm getting some mixed messages. I had a couple people who called me on Sunday who said that, A, Tanev will take longer to trade because he's making more money than Zadorov. At this point in time, there was only one team that could take all of Zadorov's salary that wanted him, and that was Vancouver. So since Tanev makes more, it's even more complicated. And, you know, I had a couple of people who think that Calgary makes another run to sign him. Now, I don't know what the likelihood of that is or isn't, but I, I, I did have a couple of people who think that Calgary will try to keep him. 
So we'll see how that all plays out. But Toronto is definitely looking for D. They're the the search for D is on. I heard right-hand shot. I heard preferences for an edgier or more physical player. Um, but look, like Klingberg, there should be clarity this week. We're expecting him to be out for the year. Sheldon Keefe said Lilligren is still a little bit away. Now they lost Giordano. You know, I think Toronto has a preference on what they want to do. As I just explained, they may have to just go out and get someone because they need to, but they are definitely on the look for a D and they prefer a right shot. Um, you know, there was a there was a name that was floated out over the weekend. I don't think by either of the teams would be involved in a deal, but the name Sean Walker was out there. Mm-hmm. This weekend, that's another right shot D. Now it's not the you know snarly Nikita Zadorov or the uh, the shot blocking machine that is Chris Tanev, but yeah. he's someone who's played. He's having a really great season. He's really. played really well this year. He's really really well this year. Yeah, and uh, you know he's on an expiring contract as well, which isn't to say that he couldn't get traded and go back to Philadelphia next year. But nonetheless, that is a name that's out there. Is that the sort of level of defenseman that you think the Maple Leafs are are hunting for? You know, I had, uh, when you mentioned that to me Saturday, I, you know, again, like it's tough because the Leafs, and in this case, the Flyers, they don't really want to say anything, right? So you kind of have to work around them. The, the Leafs were really tried to be secret under Dubis. That really hasn't changed under Tree Living. He's he's trying to keep it uh, very quiet. But um, I, I just got told by another team, I heard that Walker is a good name around the league because there are teams who like him. I was just told he wasn't on Toronto's top list of targets. Now, that doesn't mean it can't happen. Um, you know, Toronto's top target were Zadorov and Tanev, and one's gone and we'll see on the other. So sometimes you have to move, and Walker would be a very nice pickup. But I just heard he wasn't the top choice for Toronto. Do you have a sense of how either Shanahan or Tree Living feel about this team? Like we've known, we, and we've talked about this from day one, like they've been looking to to do something with the blue line. Um, but do you think it stops there? I think, boy, that's a great question. We're having a real hard time figuring out what Toronto is, right? Oh, yeah. So we were talking about on the last pod how they have five regulation wins this season, which is tied for second worst in the NHL. Montreal is lower at four. You know, that said, I was in their dressing room on Saturday morning at the morning skate, and a couple of their players were saying to me, if any team had three defensemen banged up on the blue line like we do, and they were 6-1-1 and in their last eight games, and now 6-1-2 and after losing an overtime to the Bruins, people would say, oh, they're really grinding it out. They're, they're showing a lot of character. He's like, not here, not in Toronto. <laughs> it's panic time. Sound the alarm. Pound the alarm, as Nicki Minaj would say. Um you know, I thought it was actually an interesting point. I, I do think they're going to address their defense. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, I'm curious to see what's going to happen in goal because Wool looks like the guy right now. And Samsonov didn't play on Saturday because he was sick, but he has not played well this year. Again, you know, hey, you know, we were wondering, would they do a rental? They were willing to pay something to get two of them. 
Although, again, I really do think one, if not both of them, would have signed. Like, there is definitely a feeling around the league that Toronto is confident it can sign Tanev. So, I mean, we'll see where all this goes. There's, there, there's a lot to figure out here. They've got time. But the one thing a few teams told me is they're looking to pl- plug some holes on their D. And while I think they would prefer term or someone they can sign, if they have to trade a mid to late round pick, for a guy who doesn't have any term, they might be prepared to do that because they might just have to. Okay, so another blue liner we should probably talk about as well. I don't know whether this sort of fits what Brad Tree Living is, is looking for, but you talked about him on Saturday, and that is Tyson Berry. So Berry has been given permission, him and his agent, Bane Pettinger, to talk to other teams what's happening with the Nashville blue liner. So if you look at the Predators, we're starting to see... Uh, a bit of a changing of the guard uh, on their roster. You know, for one thing, Barry's a UFA after this year. So it sounds to me, obviously, like he's not part of their long-term plans. But if you look at their blue line right now, they've got this Spencer Stasny, who they really seem to like. He's a, he's a young player, and he looks like he's got a role on that team as long as he continues playing as well as he's playing. You know, Luke Shen, they just signed to a long-term deal. Dante Fabro has been a healthy scratch, and Carrier, he's been injured. But, you know, also, too, like, there have been some rumblings that they want to change their blue line a bit. I mean, obviously, Yossi's not going anywhere. They've got McDonough. They've got Shen signed. I think they really like the size of Jeremy Lazan and he plays a tough game, you know, Barry Trotz, old Western hockey league D he tends to like that kind of thing. They seem to really like this Stasny. Like I, I think Barry Carrier and Fabro, all of those players might have some questions about their future. Maybe one or two of them goes, maybe one of their two of them stays, but I, I don't think they're all safe. Um, so as you mentioned, I found it out on Saturday morning making my calls that Nashville had given permission for bearing his agent, as you mentioned, to speak to teams. It kind of got around the league. I heard it on, on Saturday morning and it was confirmed. Um, you know, I don't know if Barry and Toronto are a great fit. Number one, I don't think that's the kind of player they're looking for. And number two, Toronto was a chamber of horrors for Barry the last time he came here. It just, it just unfortunately wasn't a good mix. But, you know, there's teams out there who need someone who can score, and Barry will be highly motivated because he's playing for his his next deal. It's, You know, I, I have to say, I was talking to, to one player on, on Sunday, and he said to me he's really rooting for Barry because Barry is a really popular guy that if you ask players around the league who one of the more fun guys is, uh, one of the players that, you know, really goes out of his way to make life good on uh, new players and who come to a team or a player who might be a bit quiet on a team, Barry is a guy who has that reputation. I know last year when when the Predators and the Oilers made that trade, you know, the Oilers had to include Barry to make it work. But one of the things they were talking about internally while they were going through the motions was there are going to be players on this team who are not thrilled that Barry's going to get dealt. And ultimately, you do what you think is right, and Eckholm was was what that team needed. But there are going to be guys in the league rooting for Barry to end up in a place that's good for him because he's a popular guy. 
Okay, so we're really working a blue line theme here to kick off the uh, the podcast. You going to San Jose okay. now? So let's go to San Jose. Uh, is I'll just put it bluntly: Is everybody available? I I think so. I you know, there you know I had I had some people who said to me they wonder if if you know they've got a couple of young D you know the the guys they traded for uh, last year in the Timo Meyer deal like those might not be the guys that they're too interested in moving which you can you know totally understand that that would be the case those are young players but i think that they do have basically their blue line is available they are willing to listen on just about anything now mike greer wouldn't talk about it he politely declined it but there's enough out there that you can kind of figure out what it is now mario ferraro is a guy who last year um, the rumor was that Carolina took a big run at him and, and really tried to get him. And, you know, somebody said to me, you look at him, he's a really talented young player, another guy who's got a really good reputation. He's signed for two more years at $3.25 million. Um, There's going to be a lot of teams checking the price tag on this one. And because he's not expensive, he's young, he's 25, he's a talented player. And, you know, people understood why San Jose is doing this. Uh, you know, San Jose this year, look, obviously they knew they were going into a rebuild. I don't think they expected it to be like this. Uh, I really don't think they expected it to be like this. Now, all of a sudden, they started to play a little bit better. Uh, Greer challenged them. They had a big road win the other day in New Jersey. They scored as many goals in that game against New Jersey as they'd scored on the road all year, pretty much. So it was a big one for them. Gave the Rangers all they wanted Sunday night, too. Yes, you know, but they need a lot of help, a lot of help. And I think what they're basically saying is we're going to have to do whatever we can to play the let's increase our asset game. Let's give ourselves more lottery tickets. Let's find more young players. And what someone said to me is, they think there will be a team, whether it's Carolina or somebody else, that will do it for Ferraro. They, they said they will be able to get good assets for him because he's a good player if that's what they want to do. Hmm. Um, you know, on Saturday, Ron mentioned the name Mark Edward Vlasic as well. Now, mm. He's got a, a pretty big price tag. Um, but we said that about Eric Carlson as well. Now, I know they're profoundly different players, but... Yeah, you can't compare them. You can't, but you know, this year and two more at seven million dollars. I mean, that's that's a lot for the uh, the thirty six year old blue liner. But nonetheless, Mark Edward Vlasic. Well, the thing I'll say this about Vlasic, like Carlson, yeah, he had a big ticket, but he was also coming off a one hundred point season and won the Norris Trophy. I, I don't think you can compare them. Like Vlasic was one of the most interesting guys I dealt with. I always used to love like the one time of year I, you know, San Jose came east because Vlasic was a gold mine for quotes, like an absolute gold mine. I remember when, when he played on that 2014 Olympic team that won a gold medal. Remember the year before, like people started to tell me get to get to know Vlasic a lot better because he's going to be on that team. And, you know, and I remember he would come through Toronto and I would go up to him and I would say, Mark, can I talk to you a minute? And he'd smile and say, it's about time you Eastern guys started to recognize me. And it was really different than what you're used to uh, in the NHL. Like he was basically saying, 
worship me, worship me. And he was a great <laughs> quote. Like he clearly felt that he was being disrespected and not getting the level of uh, recognition that he deserved. And I, I really love dealing with him for it because he, like I said, he was a gold mine somewhere along the way. And, and he's getting benched a lot, Jeff. Yeah. He didn't there play is Sunday real, against Rangers too. I'll tell you what the word is on him. He's lost that. For a long time, he was a guy who was chip on the shoulder. Nobody knows who I am. I don't get the respect I deserve. And I'm a hell of a player. And he was. like He was an important player on good San Jose teams and championship Team Canada teams. For whatever reason, I don't know what it is, he's not the same guy anymore. And I, I think one of the reasons that san jose benches him is because that fire it's been quenched and when you're having a year like this like you are and you're turning over your team you just you you can't have that you can't show your players that if you feel a player isn't competing to the level they can especially around young players you can't let that happen so I, I think the biggest challenge, like I have no doubt they want to move Vlasic. They're not scratching a guy as much as they are because they're happy with him. But Jeff, like the thing is, like as you said, it's this year and two more, it's $7 million. Yeah. And there's some signing they bonuses there too. You know, the, the, the thing is, is he going to be able to prove to a team that he's 75% of what he was? or 65% of, of what he was. Because unfortunately, the book on him is that his, his grind factor, his determination factor, it's not there. That would have to involve some retention if, you, mm -hmm. if you're going to do anything with Mark Edward Vlasic. The, the one guy that I do wonder about as well, and we've come back to him on San Jose. This is the last bit on San Jose, and then we'll move along. Uh, I would imagine that Mike Greer would have no trouble moving Anthony Declare. Yes, and and earlier in the year, I thought Declare was going to extend there. I I, I really did. Um, as a matter of fact, I heard rumors that they were going to talk about that. But again, a really talented player. He scored on Sunday against the Rangers. Scoring is always good, Jeff. So I've been told. Um, I I agree with you. I think he'll they'll have no doubt moving him because he's proven he's a very useful performer. Okay, uh, you know, this podcast, and to a large extent as well, um, your hits with me on the on the radio show daily, uh, revolved around the Edmonton Oilers and Jack Campbell. Uh, still yeah. applying his trade in Bakersfield. Do we have any indication that he might be ready to get called back up? I think it's coming. Now, I have to tell you, I had a funny exchange on Saturday night. So I had heard he was going to play the game on Saturday, and then he was going to come. Now, the Oilers are right at the roster limit, so I think part of the issue here, Jeff, is that they have to figure out how they can make it work. Because they, they saved a little over a million dollars on the cap because he's in the American Hockey League. If they're going to bring him back up, they don't save that money anymore, and they have to figure out how to make room for him on the roster. So I believe that was one of the issues. But Saturday night was eventful, to say the least. So their game, Bakersfield, against Texas, 
Starts at 7 local, 10 Eastern. I do my uh, headlines 32-bit on Saturday night just after 9 o'clock. And not long after 10, I get a text from a scout I know who's at the game, Bakersfield, Texas. And he said, go on to the internet and look at the first goal of this game. And so I do. And like I'm not going to lie to anybody. It was a rough one. It was a rough one. And Campbell battled back, and he made some good saves. And I think they won 6-4. to four. I think he ended up making something like 25 saves, 27 saves or something like that. But the game was a bit of an adventure. There was one really ugly goal. There were some great saves. There was one really weird goal, I guess. The fourth one was a really weird goal. But I think the Oilers are committed to this, and I do expect to see him. And... You know, this is why, Jeff, we're going to play Let's Make a Deal, the famous oh, the famous game show from when okay. you and I are kids mm-hmm. and a reboot didn't do very well. What do you think it will cost the Edmonton Oilers to move Jack Campbell right now? Are they retaining any part of the contract? I don't even know if that's relevant, to be honest. High pick, top prospect, one or the other. Okay, or, and, and, or, you can use okay. all three versions. <laughs> if the idea is to buy them out, it's going to cost you $10 million. So the Oilers are looking at a situation where they either have to keep them and buy them out at the end of the year, $10 million, or they're going to have to trade a high pick and or a good prospect to get it done. So I think the Oilers say we are stupid if we don't give this one more run. Now, the challenge with them is that they don't have a huge runway. They don't have a lot of time to be patient with this. But I believe their choice was, especially as he started to play better in the American Hockey League, they had three good games in a row before this last one, we are not doing ourselves enough justice if we don't give him one more shot. And that's, I think, what they're going to do. As soon as they figure out the roster, uh, I think that's what they're going to do. How many clunkers do they have left, you figure? None. No time. Oof. And you know what I think? Like, First of all, I root for Campbell because I root for the person, right? Like, I, I want we this all to work. We I all want do. this to work. Any sane person wants this to work because of the person. Yes. I I was talking to a former goalie the other day, and he said to me, you you have to work it into his head that you don't have to be prime Dominic Hasek. You just have to be one save better than the other guy. But the problem is, he said to me, is that it all depends on how you take it. Because let's say you give up a goal. Now, all of a sudden, you're thinking, if you're the kind of guy who thinks, oh, man, now I've got to be two goals better than the other guy. It piles up on you, right? It's all between the ears. But he said to me that the thing you've really got to do is convince Jack Campbell you don't have to be, like I said, Hashik or Wah or whoever. 
just say, Jack, we need one more save than the other guy at the end of the ice. Can you do that? And he has to buy in. He has to buy into that. The other thing, too, is like this Columbus thing is pretty interesting, Jeff. I don't think Edmonton's the only team. Hang on. By, been... by the way, when, when Elliot says this Columbus thing, what he's referring to, if you missed the last podcast, is the Oilers have been around the Columbus Blue Jackets and maybe not just necessarily around the goaltending. Sorry. Go ahead. Thank you, narrator. That was very good and very helpful. <laughs> um, I don't think they're the only team that's been around Columbus a little bit. I think Washington's been around them. I think Vegas has been around them. There's some teams looking at it. And, you know, the the one thing I would say about Edmonton is I, I don't know if they wanted to do anything that just was lateral or I, I think they, A, it was we have to find a way to give Campbell one more chance here. And secondly, are we just going to make a trade for the hell of it? Or are we going to, if we do anything, it's going to be significant. So this one could be a large deal then. No, I, I'm not, not even saying that. I'm just more saying like, I I do, like I know they've been following Columbus around a lot, and I know I said in the last podcast they weren't necessarily just looking at goalies. I think they were looking at everybody. I I just think that I'm not convinced there's anything that close between them. I think Edmonton really feels that look, McDavid's healthy, Ackholm's healthy. We need to see if Campbell's any better. We're not rushing into anything. We'll see. I could be totally wrong about that, but that's the impression I kind of got. All right. One more goalie note as mm-hmm. a uh, as a follow-up, Elliot, from something we talked about earlier this season, as someone pointed out to us about Devin Levi of the Buffalo Sabres doing his uh, TV timeout meditation um, uh, just above the top of the crease. Uh, and you had wondered, because you're a very cynical, negative person, if he was doing that uh, to keep that ice chewed up there, that valuable ice, you don't want that smooth because that's good for shooters. You thought it might have been tactical, and you questioned the motivation of Devin Levi. I got a note from someone on, I think it was Friday, yep. um, uh, who was at the Rochester-Belleville game and sent along a picture and said, is this new? because he was doing his meditation, not in front of the net during the timeout, but doing it at the face-off dot. And so looked into it and checked around and turns out he had done the face-off dot uh, in the NHL before he got sent down to Rochester because, and I think you wondered about this as well, um, NHL hockey operations asked him to stop doing it. Essentially Mm. beat it, get out of the way. We need to clean that ice. So he was told to go do that somewhere else, Elliot. Pretty interesting, eh? The problem is, as you know, if the face-off is in your zone at the dot, where does the puck go? In the dot. That's right. And that's where he does his meditation. I wonder if that's now becoming an issue with the linesman who would like this to keep the puck frozen on the ice. This guy is playing 4D chess, man. <laughs> he may be the smartest of all of, of all the goaltenders here. Now somebody's going to know the answer to this because I don't know what it is. But yeah. in the original Star Wars movie, there's a scene on the Millennium Falcon where they're playing some sort of game. Chewbacca's yeah. playing against R2-D2. Levi, because he's a big Star Wars guy, he's playing that game. He's playing 4D that game. (laughs) 
just going to places on the ice That's where awesome. he can cause problems for the other team. First crease, get out of yeah. there. Yeah. Now face off dot and eventually yeah. he's yeah. gonna have to get out of there. I knew yeah. it. I like I think that's so smart. I knew ex- yeah. I knew it. I knew he was hey, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. He's trying. He's trying. Hang on. Dom just texted us on our group chat here that it's called is it Dejaric or Dejaric? Dejaric. Dejaric. Did you actually know that or did you look it up? I knew that. Are you a Star Wars guy? Yes. Tell me something else that you know about Star Wars that people are going to say what an absolute Star Wars nerd that is so impressive. Uh, they play a poker-style game called Pazak as well. <laughs> Welcome to the NHL's first hockey Star Wars podcast. Yes. Dom, I didn't know that about you. I I got to tell you, Dom, I, um, I, I lost the Star Wars universe. It just got to be after the first season of The Mandalorian. I was like, oh, this is this is just getting too much for me. You're not alone. Jar Jar Binks killed it for me. That was it. I was out. I tapped out on that one. You know, I, I get that. I understand that. Um, and we're going way off track here. I did not like the prequels, except the last 20 minutes of, what was that one? Revenge of the Sith. Was that the third one? Revenge Correct, of the Sith. Yeah. The last 20 minutes of Revenge of the Sith were as good as any Star Wars movie ever. Those three prequels were disappointed, but that span was incredible. Shall we go back to hockey? Yes. Uh, away from Star Wars into the universe that is the Montreal Canadiens. Um, so they re-signed Samuel Montembeau. It is a three-year contract extension. 3.1 is the AAV. You wondered and talked about this a couple of weeks ago on Hockey Night and this podcast. Your thoughts now that it's done. Well, first of all, congratulations to Montembeau. He's a guy who's worked hard to get here. It's not been a linear path. I know there were some people looking at it and saying, what? Like, that? his career numbers are worth this? I think that's kind of a weak way to look at it. He's a guy who's gotten better the last year or two, and I, and I think goalies have a longer prime than some of the players do. Uh, skaters do, I should say. I believe Montreal had made it very clear we were willing to sign sign you, but they didn't want it to drag. And I don't think they're going to rush into anything, but now they know they have them, right? So I think now it's going to be, okay, what do people think about Allen? What do they th- people think about Primo? I do think we are in the end game of Montreal's three-goalie system. Mm. However, I'm not convinced yet which of the two it is going to be. Really? We all just yes. assume that the decision was to be made between Montembeau and Primo. That, like, I'll be honest, that was my first thought. Okay, there's their choice. Well, not necessarily. You know, don't forget, Primo is signed for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it was interesting. We were having this conversation, Ron, Jen, and Kevin and I, on Saturday night. You're still young. You're still growing. You're not really expected to win yet, and you're not going to win this year. If you get a good offer for Allen, do it. Add more assets. And then if you need to find another goalie, go out and do it in the summer. That's all contingent, though, on Jake Allen waving, though. Well, he's not doesn't have a full no trade. No, I, under, I understand that, too. But he still does have some control here. Yeah, he has some. 
But either you get him to a place he wants to go or you send him somewhere he doesn't have the trade protection. Again, though, I'm not convinced it's going to be Allen. It could be Primo. And one of the reasons the Canadians made it very clear they kept Primo and didn't waive him because there were new there were teams they knew that liked him. So I'm not convinced it's going to be Allen. But if if your question is, do we need to keep Allen for this year as a lock? I don't think it is, pending on the offer you get, because it's not like this year you're going to win. Mm-hmm. Let's buzz through a couple more things here before we get to the thought line. Uh, the sure. Arizona Coyotes. Um, holy smokes, they're poised to do something really special here. As a matter of fact, they already have. So they have wins in order against Vegas, Tampa, Colorado, St. Louis. That's amazing. All teams that have recently won the Stanley Cup, and they'll complete it if they beat Washington on Monday night. They'll have knocked off the Caps, the Blues, the Avalanche, Tampa, Vegas, I mean, you just look at the schedule initially, right? When you get it, if you're, you know, the the manager of the Arizona Coyotes and you say to yourself, oh, thanks for lining up all the Stanley Cup winners for us. And one by one, the Arizona Coyotes, and you got to give it up for Connor Ingram here. He has yes. been fantastic. Fantastic season. You've been knocking them down, Elliot. You know, I've always rooted for Connor Ingram Ever since, you know, he was a guy who went into the program for obsessive compulsive disorder. Remember yep. that? Yeah, of course. And look at how well he's doing here. I mean, it's a great story. I'm, I'm really happy for him. First of all, the Coyotes, any success they have is a good thing because no organization needs to build momentum like the Coyotes do for a lot of different reasons. So I find it fascinating. They're sitting here. They've got a 565 win percentage. So it's not like they're in the playoffs because they've played more games than anyone else. They're in the playoffs because their winning percentage dictates they're in the playoffs. They have shown an interest in adding this year. You know, the Hannafin thing, they kicked tires on Hannafin, more than kicked tires on Hannafin. They were interested. So that... That says to me that Arizona is looking at how can we make ourselves better and you're in a position, look, I always go by goal differential. They're plus eight. That's the seventh best number in the Western Conference and we all know what they're trying to do off the ice here. I I think it's really interesting. I I think it's really fascinating. But when do we get to a point where the Coyotes say we're going for it? And I just wonder if you know, circumstances dictate it's now. Well, that's it. That's what I was going to get to here. You're Bill Armstrong, general manager of the team. Are you saying to yourself, we need to start planning as if we're going to be adding at trade deadline? And when have we seen the last time we saw the Arizona Coyotes adding at deadline, Elliot? It's been a long time. Sure has. But it feels like we're there right now. And... And Listen, what's the only way you're going to get, you're going to build momentum to get a building done there? Completely. But by, by winning games. Now, there's um, one spot open in the central because one and two is going to be any combination of, in order of uh, the Dallas Stars and the Colorado Avalanche. Three is open. So Arizona's looking like they're interested. And all of a sudden, so are Minnesota. And under John Hines, they're now well, three and oh. They've outscored mm-hmm. teams 13 to 3. Yeah. And all of a sudden, 
They've remembered how to kill penalties. Yes. They've defended 10 of the last 11 successfully. They beat Chicago 4-1 to on Sunday. Uh, here's a good news story. Marco Rossi with a pair of goals. How many other problems are solved if Marco Rossi actualizes into the player that we all think he can become? Nonetheless, your thoughts on Minnesota now under John Hines? Well, I'm sure Dean Evison is watching this and probably to some degree Bill Guerin saying, where was this? Yeah. Like, where was all this stuff? You're right. They're getting saves. They're winning games. It's it's the new coach bounce, right? Yep. The cat fell off the 53rd floor, and it's bounced. <laughs> now we're going to see what happens from here. Great week for them. Good yeah. to see. You know, Jeff, you know, I, like, there are some – you can see it right now. There are some places where the stress is starting to hit. Okay, so we've talked about Edmonton and they're hoping they've kind of been through the worst. You we did. We're, now we've just talked about Minnesota and they're hoping that they've been through the worst. We've seen it in Calgary and they're hoping that they've been through the worst. But now I'm looking at the Eastern Conference, Ottawa. Oh you know, now they're going to start catching up in games, and they got a big game. They're one of the worst teams in the league in the second period. They held the lead against Seattle, and I heard that they thought they played pretty well, even though they lost in Columbus on Friday night. But I think now Ottawa, we've talked about Columbus a lot. I want to leave them alone. Buffalo, that one is mounting. New Jersey, you know, that that was a bad loss to San Jose, and the other one I'm looking at is is Tampa. Um, that was a really really ugly loss on Saturday afternoon. So oh, yeah. you know the meat grinder it goes through different places, and you know for there, there's a week or two a year where you're the team that's getting chewed up in the meat grinder, and some of those teams do it, but get through it. But there's other teams. Mm-hmm. they're in it right now. And those teams I just named, New Jersey, Buffalo, Ottawa, Tampa Bay. Um, I, I know I named a whole bunch of teams in the East. I don't know that Seattle's there yet. I didn't sense a ton of panic when they were through Toronto. I think they're a little frustrated, but I didn't sense panic. You know, I, I can see it in these situations. You know, like someone said to me on the weekend, Jeff, what happens if Tampa is a bubble team and Stamkos isn't signed at the end of the season? Well, that's what Julian Brisebois talked about at the beginning of the season. We need to see what the season's going to be like here. But teams are going to call. Of course they will. Yeah, so I'm looking at these groups right now, and you can feel, like someone said to me, it's a high-stress league. It started in the preseason. And every week there's some places that are worse than others. And now there's a whole bunch of new teams that are looking at it and going, I guess it's our turn right now to grit our teeth. Yeah. Try some chamomile tea, maybe a steam, (laughs) 30-minute massage, do some extra stretching, meditation, grind our way through this. It's uh, We've seen it rotate weekly. It's their turn in the barrel. Uh, on that, we'll hit our first pause. When we come back to Montana's thought line, some interesting phone calls and emails from you. And also, Elliot, before we finish the podcast, I want to 
Get your thoughts on a couple of different ideas they're experimenting with in the uh, PWHL Utica camp um, hmm. before they kick off the season in January. All that's still to come. Montana's thought line is next. Keep it here. Listen to the 32 Thoughts podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Okay, Elliot, time now for the Montana's Thought Line, Montana's Barbecue and Bar, Canada's home for barbecue. Try the ribs. 32 thoughts at sportsnet.ca is the email. 1-833-311-3232 is the phone line. 32 thoughts at sportsnet.ca. 1-833-311-3232. I'd like to add a tag onto this one. I was at Montana's on Saturday afternoon. My kid had a hockey tournament in Hamilton. Try the pecan salad. It is excellent. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't really run, run off your tongue, though, eh? But I had it. Try the ribs. Good. Try the pecan salad. Try the pecan yeah, salad. It, it just, it's, no, it just doesn't. Background, it just doesn't do it. I have to say, it's not the same. All right, fine. I'll go back to my little corner. Um, so, under the heading of playing for rivals, just three that I want to read off. If you have a thought, great. If not, I just wanted to get them on the podcast here. Yeah. Sean submits, hey guys, listening to you poolside in Watulco. Oh, nice. Before returning home wow. to Calgary. It was a couple of years after his time in Edmonton. But speaking of players with rivals, how about Grant Fuhr on the Calgary Flames? That one looked different, Elliot. But but again, it, it was a long time. Like someone yes. brought up Yager to me with the Flyers, but to me, it almost has to be immediate. Yep. Like Kane goes right from Chicago to Detroit in months. Yeah. So John from Detroit submits this one. My weirdest moment of seeing a rival in a new jersey has to be Chris Chelios coming here from the Hawks. Those battles, Wings versus Hawks, were legendary. That's true. I hated him as a rival, but oh boy, I was doing a happy dance when he put on the winged wheel sweater, go wings. Does that one satisfy you? Chelios. He was traded, but he did make, like Chicago wasn't sending him there if he didn't want to go. So yes, there is some. Okay. I will, in my great, great empathy and wisdom, I will grant that one. Steven Utica, I'm a lifelong Flyers fan, and Eric Lindros forever changed the way I tried and still try to play the game. Oh, good luck playing it the way that Eric Lindros did. <laughs> yeah, wow. uh, seeing him in the Rangers blue was the hardest pill to swallow. Love the pod. Thanks for the insight. The ribs are great. Hey, if anyone's had the pecan salad, let me know. The pecan salad. <laughs> uh, Eric try the Lindros, pecan salad. <laughs> a new, new York Ranger. Yeah, it doesn't it's really just, flow, it's just not like, good. It's really not good. Yeah, I'll workshop the salad's good. The rhyme time. isn't. Let's yeah. say, let's make it very clear. <laughs> Eric Lindros, Ranger. He was almost a Ranger initially. Yes, he was. That one's also a place where he wanted to go. No question about it. But the, the difference with that is, unfortunately, and I'm glad it's changed, but unfortunately, it was so bad and so negative between Lindros and the Flyers at the time. Yeah. I think everybody was just like, he has to go somewhere else. Wherever it is, he just has to go. 
All right, let's get to Dion. Quick question. Just watch. I just watched uh, Tristan Jari scoring a goal today. And I was just curious because he was able to score because the, the other team pulled out the goalie to get more men uh, on the ice. And I'm just curious if you guys know who's the first coach that thought about it. And with as many goals that we saw in the last few weeks, if uh, this strategy might change in the future. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Great, great question, Dion. This one is right up Merrick's alley. So a couple of moments ago, Dom put on his Star Wars nerd hat. Let me put on my hockey nerd hat on this one. I wonder I which it. hat looks worse, the Star Wars <laughs> nerd hat or the hockey nerd hat. What do you think? Mine is more of a helmet. <laughs> yeah, hockey's more of a helmet, That's too. Uh, Equally okay. terrible. So th th this one's interesting because some people will tell you that it was uh, Wikipedia will tell you it was Milt Schmidt, um, Boston Bruins, Montreal Canadiens, April sixteenth, nineteen fifty eight, pulling Don Simmons and Bronco, Bronco Horvath goes over the boards. Not true. Um, it was actually Art Ross, the legendary Art Ross. Hmm. Whether it's the net, whether it's the puck, whether it's the original Shanahan Summit, there was once a Art Ross uh, Summit because. Stop me if you've heard this one before. There was a concern that there weren't enough goals being scored in the NHL. So Art Ross put together a summit. Anyhow, March 26, 1931, uh, he pulled Tiny Thompson, a netminder, and sent out Red Beatty. This was in a Stanley Cup A Vesna Trophy winner. At Boston, at Boston Guard. They didn't win. He didn't score. Uh, and they ended up losing to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the first recorded one, though, I believe was Frank Boucher with the New York Rangers. Hmm. Uh, but the first time it happened in the NHL was indeed Art Ross. But here's the one thing that I can't figure out or I can't find out. I just don't know the answer to it. Maybe someone does. Who's the first team to do it successfully? Who is the as first in score? Team, as in score a goal. Pull the goaltender for the extra attacker and score. That one I've been unable to find out. Hmm. But, but I have a new quest, and my quest begins by asking everyone else to do my research for me and putting it out here on the podcast. Um, yes, it was it's a good uh, idea. Legend. Someone will someone will find it out. Oh, of someone course. will know. Hundred percent. Someone someone's going to fire that. Someone will take quick. credit for it. Even more importantly, and that's well. Listen, what do we always talk about? Greatness borrows, but genius steals. Hundred percent. Greatness borrows, but genius steals. Finish with this one. This is great. Hold Harrison... on one sec. Dion did have another question. You think it'll change the strategy? No, I don't. The one thing that has changed with that is teams pull the goalie sooner. Nobody's yep. like Patrick Wad doing it with three minutes gone in the first period. Nobody's doing that. <laughs> but there are teams who are doing it sooner than they ever have been. That you yeah. know, Jeff, remember it used to be. Okay, one minute left or puck 50 deep. seconds left. Has to, the puck, puck has to be deep. Has to be Different deep. now. Different yeah. now. Uh, I think you'll like this one. Rules and regulations. Harrison from Bangkok. Mm. Greetings from ba Yeah, greetings from Bangkok, where youth hockey, both boys and girls, is growing at an impressive rate. That's great to hear. I was wondering, would the NHL consider slash allow teams to collaborate on in-season competitions for some sort of tangible prize, cash bonus or otherwise, without the cap implications. For example, could all three California teams agree to have a battle for California 
where the winner is a team with the best intra-California record each season. This would promote rivalries, add extra motivation throughout the season. Like this year, the Sharks and Ducks might not make the playoffs, but they mm -hmm. may challenge for the Battle of CA and have something meaningful to play for down the stretch. P.S., can you give a shout-out to Scott Murray? He's a hockey-crazed Canadian expat who essentially created ice hockey in Thailand 30 years ago. He'd get a kick out of it. Scott, by the way, um, went to Thailand, you know, I want to say in the early 90s, working as a journalist and stayed and established mm. incredible promotions and teams. Harrison and Bangkok's right. He is a legend in Thailand when it comes to hockey. And also, um, a little note of trivia here, Elliot, you like this one considering you used to work there, as did I. His grandfather, Gladstone Murray, was the first general manager of the CBC. Hmm. That's what I got for you today. This oh, is CBC, all CBC, this is CBC. all fantastic. You know, first yeah. of all, I absolutely love the idea. Even if the NHL isn't really involved in it, if the California teams created an unofficial California championship. Yep. It doesn't have to be officially recognized. You just do it by the games they all play each other by points percentage if it's if points are tied you go by points percentage or most goals or goal differential. find yeah goal differential find a tiebreaker i think it is a fantastic idea i love it harrison you got a winner uh thank you now so what much. would you what would you name it after uh, you could call it the Oakland Golden Seal Cup. The Golden Seal Cup. <laughs> so you're thinking of uh, defunct NHL teams you, on the coast? You've you've got like if you take a look at, at college football, just something that's California, like the the Jack Kent Cook Cup or something <laughs> like that. You you have to make the, it something Charlie, that is the Charlie O'Finley Cup. <laughs> well, he's baseball. He doesn't count. But like if you take a oh, look he on the at, Seals. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I, I always think about him as more of a baseball guy than a than a hockey guy. But you find something that's, that, you know what, you could call it. You could call it the, well, if you wanted to, you could call it the Gretzky Cup because the reason all three of those teams are there is because of Gretzky. Yeah. I'm down with the Gretzky Cup for California. Or, or, yeah. you could, it, well, it, it's too a Mighty Ducks-ish. But maybe you could call it the Gordon Bombay Cup. Or do you just let whoever wins it name the cup? You always have to take it one step too far. Yeah, I know. That's my job in life. <laughs> <laughs> but you could, you could come up with a name and make it. I think that's yeah. a great idea. The unofficial California championship. You could have the yeah. unofficial Florida championship. The unofficial Ontario championship and the Leaf fans will call it. If we lose this, we'll pretend we don't care enough about the senators to be bothered. Cup. Oh my, oh my, oh my. The smug cup. The smug cup. <laughs> the battle of Alberta. Yeah. Can be a barrel of oil. The barrel of oil cup. Devil's I, Islanders I Rangers. This. Devil's Islanders Rangers. Oh, what'd you call that one? 
the Kevin Weeks Cup. The Kevin Weeks Cup is the right choice. And Kevin's on hand to hand it out. Okay, well, there you go. That's settled. Tidy bit of business here, courtesy of uh, the Montana's Thought Line and Trophy Creation Line. Montana's Barbecue and Bar, Canada's home for barbecue. Again, thanks to everyone who emailed and called. Man, we got a lot, and they're all good. 32thoughts at sportsnet.ca, 1-833-311-3232. Coming up next, Elliot, your thoughts on what the PWHL is experimenting with at their Utica camp, and also... It's a very special week for the Hughes family. That's next. All right, a smoky break for our Thoughtline partner, Montana's Barbecue and Bar. With meats prepared and smoked in-house, it's no wonder why they're Canada's home for barbecue. Check them out, and as Elliot always says... Try the ribs. Yes, their ribs are smoked in-house every day until they fall off the bone. And don't forget, Montana's has all-you-can-eat ribs every Wednesday. Head on down to Montana's Barbecue and Bar and take the all-you-can-eat rib challenge every Wednesday. Smoking good barbecue only at Montana's. Some conditions apply. Visit montanas.ca for details. Okay, Elliot. So the uh, the PWHL, the Professional Women's Hockey League, uh, Utica Camp, getting everybody set for the season uh, and trying out different things. And a couple of things that they're experimenting with is you know, we've talked about this before, um, but I kind of get the impression they might just go for it during their league. Two-minute major penalties and no icing on the penalty kill. Obviously, really trying to put a premium on scoring power play goals, but your thoughts on two-minute majors, i.e. you get a full two-minute power play no matter how many goals you score, which used to be the rule in the NHL until the Montreal Canadiens ruined it by scoring yes. too many goals and ending games too early. And you're not allowed icing on the penalty kill. Well, you are, but the puck automatically comes back into the offensive zone. What about the penalties over if you score shorthanded? You know, it's interesting. I, uh, I'm i not going to lie to you. They're not I'm, going far enough, Jeff. I Listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I mentioned that to someone, uh, and I was told that it's interesting. Interesting response. You know, when somebody says to me, it's interesting, you know what that means? Yeah. They think it's stupid. It's not going to happen. We'll see. We'll see. It, it, look, it sounds like the PWHL is going to try some things here. Like, I don't think they want to, you know, move hockey too far to uh, one, one side, but uh, one side or the other. But it sounds like they're going to try some things here. So, two minute major penalties and no icing on the penalty kill. We'll see what happens. You know, uh, what? I, I like I like all ideas. I, I really do. Like anything that people try differently, I'm all for it. I just think it's really funny that your one answer came back with, that's interesting, because <laughs> I know what that means. When I was in go, high school or university, away, boy. Can, I have your phone, can I have your phone number? It's interesting that you would ask that. Yeah, I'm not getting the number. <laughs> okay. So here's why it's an interesting week for the Hughes family. Yeah. As we have a look at our games coming up this week, I turn to Tuesday, December the 5th. It is the final game on the docket that night, 10 o'clock Eastern, the New Jersey Devils in Vancouver to face off against the Canucks. Hughes and Hughes versus Hughes. I think it's going to be fantastic. 
I asked Kevin on Saturday night how much Zadorov would have on the board. He said low four figures. Mm. How much do you think the Hughes brothers? Oh, knowing how competitive they are? Oh, yeah. And how much money two of the three have already in their jeans? Well, that's the thing. Does Quinn <laughs> have to equal what Jack and Luke put up? Ooh, man. That's like uh, you're the only rookie on the team, and it's rookie dinner time, and you don't yeah. have another rookie to share it with. Oof, that's a tough one. Um, listen, knowing how competitive they are and how fierce they are against one another, I'm inclined to say yes. It'll be a big one. Yeah, it, It'll be a big night. They love each other, but they'll want to kill each other. There's no, well, at least two of them will want to kill the other one. I want to want to kill two. It's not going to be a three way. Yeah. This one, this one should be a great game. Uh, Hughes versus Hughes on Tuesday. Uh, on that, we'll wrap. Um, enjoy. Listen, Arizona against Washington all of a sudden got real spicy. As we mentioned, Arizona's beaten Vegas. They've beaten Tampa. They've beaten Colorado. They have beaten St. Louis. All recent Stanley Cup winners, they can complete it. Uh, this miraculous stretch of games by beating Washington on Monday. Check that one out. Check out the Hughes game on Tuesday and all the rest of the action all your eyeballs can handle. On behalf of the whole crew here, Merrick signing off. We'll talk to you again Friday morning with another edition of 32 Thoughts. 